My name is Rodney Bows, and my wife is Julie here. And we are very happy that we could join you here for this uh, excellent event, iShare. Have you all been having a good time so far? Yeah, what a blessing that we could come together and learn about how we can more effectively communicate the gospel. Before we continue and go any further, I'd like to ask you if you will uh, bow your heads with me as we have a prayer to begin our session. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have been with us, that it is the Sabbath. I pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us, that everything might be done to your honor and glory. Thank you again for bringing each person here, and we ask that you will especially touch our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we have a very packed seminar, uh, so we're going to go fast. Is it okay if I talk a little fast? Okay, if I go too, too fast, you just say, Rodney, slow down, okay? But we're first going to lay a little bit of the framework for medical missionary work. And what we're talking about in the seminar is how to follow Jesus' method. And it's Christ's method alone that is going to bring success in our work. I want for you all to take a look at this picture with me. Does everyone uh, know what this picture is about? Have you seen this before? Yes. Yeah, what is this? Dividing the days and nights. No, it's not dividing the day and nights. This is a very interesting picture because it shows the world and it shows where there is light pollution. All right? Can you see the United States? No wonder when you look up, you can hardly see any stars. When you go to Africa and you come on a mission trip with me to Africa, you look up and you see the amazing stars at night. It's truly amazing. This is light pollution that we see around the world. What do you think God sees when he looks down on this earth in comparison to the light of truth? Does it look like this? Is the earth illuminated with truth like it is with the light pollution? No, not at all. The Bible says, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the what? The people. Isaiah 60 and verse 2. And in reality, this is what is happening in our world. This map is another map. It shows where the gospel is going. It shows where there are churches that are established. Uh, the Sections that are in green are areas where there is a strong Christian church presence. The areas in yellow are in between, and red is categorized as unreached or least reached. How many of you are familiar with the term 1040 window? Have you heard that before? Well, this is the area right here, going from Africa, extending over into Asia, all the way over to Japan. These are areas where the gospel needs to go in this generation. God wants to do amazing things through his people. These are dark places. We need to be praying. And we also need to know, how can we effectively reach dark places? I believe God may call some of you to go to that area of the world. Are any of you missionaries? Do you have missionary, foreign missionaries in your foreign mission blood? Maybe you do. God wants to send you to those places. Those of you who are here and you find yourself in the United States, this is a tremendous mission field. Even though it's green, 
it does not mean that there is no work to be done. There are millions of people waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So we need to follow Christ's example. All right, I'd like for everyone to read this with me, okay? Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. Let's stop right there. What method alone? Christ method alone. There's no other method. You know, often we like to come up with methods and philosophies and all these different things, but it's only Jesus method alone that's going to bring true success in reaching people. Let's continue. It says, the Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. And that's what the whole seminar is based upon. It's those aspects of mingling, sympathizing, and ministering. We're going to be looking at each one of those aspects in greater detail throughout this three-hour seminar. But before we really get deeply into those things, I'd like for us to consider what Jesus gave us as his own example. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Notice what the Bible says. And Jesus went about all Galilee, doing what? Preaching, Teaching in their synagogues and doing what else? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and doing what else? healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Did Jesus have a successful ministry? Did people follow him? The next verse, this is verse 23, but the next verse says that multitudes from all over the region came to follow Jesus because of his ministry, because he combined these three things together. Let me ask you a question right now. How many of you are Christians? Raise your hand. All right? Praise the Lord. How many of you are Seventh-day Adventist Christians? Let me see your hands. All right? Excellent. How many of you are missionaries? All right? I think everyone raised their hand again. All right? How many of you are medical missionaries? Wow, we lost a lot of people there. Okay, my goal, our goal at the end of this talk is that all of you can be able to raise your hand. Amen. It doesn't mean that you have to be a doctor. It doesn't mean you have to be a nurse. But we're going to show you that Christ's method is medical missionary work, and he wants every one of you to take a hold of it. Amen. So if someone asks you, are you a medical missionary? You can answer yes, no matter what your other background is. Now let us look at something very interesting. Ministry of Healing, page 19. It says, during his ministry, Jesus devoted more time to what? Healing, Healing the sick than to preaching. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? It was, it's very simple. Jesus did this because there was a lot of prejudice at that time. If Jesus just stood up and proclaimed himself to be the Messiah... And that was the only thing he did? His ministry would be cut very short, right? I mean, it wouldn't be as effective. Jesus had a lot of prejudice to break down. Do we live in a world and society with a lot of prejudice? Christ's method alone will bring true success in reaching the people. 
Now, I'd like for us to look very quickly. This is where I want your help. I'd like someone to read Luke chapter 9 and verse 1, and we are looking at Jesus' commission to the 12 disciples. So Jesus gave an example in his life. What did the 12 disciples do? Do you have that? Can you read that for us? Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Excellent. Read verse 2 as well. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Okay. Now, I'm going to put that on the screen. If you look at that, you can see that the disciples were also doing something in their ministry. They were, they had power to cure diseases and to do what else? And to preach. They were following whose method? Christ's method alone. And when they went out and they came back and Jesus said, how did it go? Did you lack anything? What was their report? They said... Basically, it was amazing. Even the demons were listening to us. People were being healed. The gospel was being preached. Now I'd like someone to look at Luke chapter 10, and I'd like someone else to read for us verse 9. Luke chapter 10 and verse 9. Another volunteer? Okay, again, they did not come up with something new. They were simply following whose method? Christ's method alone. And they were healing the sick and also preaching and teaching. So is it clear from the Bible that there is a way to do evangelism or ministry? And it's to combine healing and teaching and preaching all together. Okay, now let's look at the Gospel Commission. We know the one in Matthew 28. This is the commission that goes to all Christians. But then we look at Mark chapter 16. In Mark chapter 16, it's a parallel passage. This is a very well-known verse. What does verse 15 say? Do you have that one in your memory banks? Mark chapter 16, verse 15. What does it say? Amen. Just, that's good, right there. Do you believe that? Do you believe we live at a time where we should all be involved in preaching the gospel to every creature? That's why you're here at a conference like this, right? God wants to use you to preach the gospel to every creature. But is healing important? Is health a part of the gospel? Well, look at verse 18, and I just want for us to highlight verse 18. It's here, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall do what? Recover. So is it clear from the Bible that there is a ministry of healing that all Christians are supposed to be a part of? Is it? Shake your head, please, if it's clear. Say amen. All right. I believe the Bible makes it crystal clear that everyone who is a follower of Jesus should combine teaching, preaching, and healing. And they go together. And with that, you cannot not be successful. You will be successful. God will bless that kind of ministry. So now let us look and continue in Volume 9 of the Testimonies. 
page 168. Ellen White says, Christ is no longer in this world in person to go through our cities and towns and villages healing the sick, but he has commissioned us to carry forward the medical missionary work that he began. Isn't that what we just looked at in the Bible? The Bible gives a very clear basis, and Ellen White focuses the spotlight right on it. She says, Jesus started the work, and all of us are supposed to be a part of it. And then here is the most famous quotation that I can think of. Let's read it together from Seven Testimonies. We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. Are you a member of the church? Are you taking hold of medical missionary work? If the answer is yes, praise the Lord. If not, well, today you have the opportunity to take hold of it. And the reason that it's so important is that this will touch lives that nothing else can. Why medical missionary work? We're looking at five reasons why medical missionary work, five reasons why we should do medical missionary work. So for those of you who have your notepads out, by the way, I'm very happy to see you taking notes. Uh, Reason number one why medical missionary work is that people are dying because of ignorance. Do you know that? All around us, people are literally dying. Have you seen an operating room like this before? Do you know what takes place at an operating room like this day after day after day? What is it? Heart surgery, that's exactly right. Heart disease is the number one killer in North America and in many countries all around the world. Now, is heart disease a serious disease? Is heart surgery a serious surgery or is it just a little, a a simple little surgery? I'm just going in for heart surgery. Is it like that? No, it's not. Let me just uh, combine a little bit of health information here. Do you know what the number or one of the top symptoms of heart disease is for many people? Sudden death. Sudden death. That's exactly right. Did you all know that? For many people, the symptom, the first symptom that they have heart disease is sudden death. The first and the last. What do you do after that? What do you do after that symptom? Well, you dig a grave. Unfortunately, that's the next step. Heart surgery is a very serious surgery. Have you ever seen heart surgery before? Have any of you seen it? Well, it can be a very, it can be a very bloody procedure. And here's the surgery. If uh, you don't like blood or whatever, don't look. But here's heart surgery. People are dying because of ignorance. People are literally dying. This kind of a surgery is not something that is just a run-of-the-mill surgery. I mean, imagine with me. We're not there in the operating room, but I mean, those who, I have friends who are nurses, and uh, she tells me when they're going through this particular procedure, you can smell the, the flesh burning they're they're burning through and then i mean just look at this this is horrific opening the chest cavity up to do the procedure on the heart now look carefully at the heart as you see it beating there everyone see the heart beating there 
you can see that it is surrounded by a substance that is yellow. All right, fat is good when it is in the right place. When fat is in the wrong place and cholesterol and so forth, it causes people to need heart surgery. And then the procedure goes that they stop the heart. The heart is stopped and the blood gets shunted to that machine that you just saw there. There are new techniques to do it while the heart is still beating, but still the common practice is to stop the heart. Is that a serious surgery? If there is a way to avoid this kind of surgery, do you think it would be good for us to know what it is and good for us to share with other people? How many people don't make it off of the surgery table? Countless. Countless numbers go into a surgery like this and they just, they don't come out alive. That's the grim reality of it. Why medical missionary work? Number one is that people are dying because of ignorance. How many of these surgeries need to go on? What percentage of them? Did you know that up to 90% of heart disease is preventable? 90%. That's a tremendous amount. By the way, what they're doing here is they're uh, bathing the heart with a uh, fluid solution so that when they restart it, it should come back to life. Truly, this is an, a, a remarkable surgery, but it does not need to be done nearly as much as it is in the world today. People are dying. These are pictures of lung tumors large tumors in the lung, cancers of all different kinds are proliferating around the world in just amazing amounts. Have you seen a foot like this before? This is the results of uncontrolled diabetes. If you go with us and our team to India, you will see thousands of feet like this. They have diabetic foot clinics. People are dying because of ignorance or because of lack of knowledge, which is exactly what the Bible says. And Ellen White goes on to say, everywhere people are perishing for a lack of the knowledge of the truths that have been committed to who? Uh, Who's us? Who's she writing to? Church. The church. Specifically the Seventh-day Adventist church. People are literally dying and I've tried to show it with some graphic pictures to help us understand how serious it is and how precious a message that God has given to us. Then it says, let the members of the church, it says the members of the church are in need of an awakening that they may realize their responsibility to impart these truths. Those who have been enlightened by the truth are to be light bearers to the world. So that's you. God wants to enlighten you and then send you out to be a light bearer to the world. It goes on to say to hide our light at this time is to make a what kind of mistake? A terrible mistake. How many of you like making mistakes? No, it's not a time to make mistakes either. Do you believe that time is short? Do you believe that Jesus is coming soon? It's not a time to make mistakes. The message to God's people today is arise, shine, for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. So point number two, why medical missionary work? Why should we be involved in this method of Jesus? Point number two is that it shows Jesus' character. 
Many people need to see Jesus in action, not just hear a sermon, but they need to see and to feel Christianity. And that's reason number two. Ellen White says, the world needs what it needed 1900 years ago, a revelation of Christ. And then it says, a great work of reform is demanded and it is only through the grace of Christ that the work of restoration, notice this work of restoration, what does it include? Physical, mental, and spiritual. I know that many of you have been involved in selling books over this summer or in the past summers. What a blessing that is. That is a very important ministry. And it deals a lot with spiritual. God wants to bring us into a ministry that will bring restoration spiritually, mentally, and physically. And God will do that work. Point number three. Medical missionary work is frontline work. Where is this? That's New York. That's Manhattan, exactly. Medical missionary work. Are you all praying for the World Church for 2013? There's a very large evangelistic program pushing for New York City. They're sending thousands of pieces of literature. Hundreds of people are being trained to go and work in New York. Let's pray for that city. What about this city? Where's this? It's not Washington, D.C., that little building that looks like the Capitol always throws people off. What? It's not Sacramento. Anyone else? This is London. This is London. London is in great need of medical missionary work as well. How about this one? Tokyo. Yeah, that's exactly right. Tokyo. A huge area with 30 plus million people in that metropolitan area. Medical missionary work is the answer for the large cities of the world today. To, that people can see Jesus reaching out and helping people. How about this one? It's not Haiti. It's in India. Bombay. Exactly. Or Mumbai. The tremendous, huge city in great need of medical missionaries to go and to reach those people with the true gospel. How about this one? This is going to be the world's largest city in just a few years. It's not Dubai. Anyone? Nigeria is correct. And the city is Lagos. Lagos, Nigeria. It's going to be, in a, just a few more years, the world's largest city. Do you think that we need medical missionaries there? Like never before. Because Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. How about this one? Is there no one from this area? L.A. I knew it. It threw you off because you could see the mountains, right? <laughs> Yeah, normally, I mean, this is like a once-in-a-generation in a picture where there's no smog there, but that is L.A. How about this one? San Francisco. All right, so those from the Northern California area, San Francisco, 
these major cities all across the world, in our very backyard, so to speak, are in great need of medical missionary work, of following Christ's method alone. And Ellen White writes, medical missionary work brings to humanity the gospel of release from suffering. How many people are suffering in the world today? I mean, physically suffering. Of course, we know everyone is suffering, but how many people on a daily basis wake up with pain? Billions of people. That's why pain medication is the number one prescribed drug from the doctors. Pain medication is number one. And it goes on to say that medical missionary work is the pioneer work of the gospel. It is the gospel practiced. The compassion of Christ, what? Revealed. Of this work, there is great need and the world is open for it. God grant that the importance of medical missionary work shall be understood and that new fields may be immediately entered. Do these kind of quotations give you an excitement? They do to me. New fields are opening all the time. I recently got back from Vietnam. Vietnam is opening to medical missionary work, not just to preaching evangelistically, but medical missionary work, it's open. Recently, we got back from Guatemala. It's wide open in Central and South America for medical missionary work. And I believe in North America as well, or in the United States. Point number four. Point number four, why we should do medical missionary work is that it purifies God's people. God's people need to be pure before he comes back, right? Jesus wants a, a church that is without spot and without wrinkle. Do you want to be part of that church? Amen. Elijah and John the Baptist were examples for the last days. They lived very simple lives. They were health reformers. And notice what this quotation says. Ellen White writing in Testimonies, Volume 3, I was again shown that the health reform is one branch of the great work which is to fit a people for the coming of the Lord. This is especially important for us, to be ready for Jesus to come. This health reform or medical missionary work is essential for us. Is it clear? From the statements that we've looked at, how important it is, and finally, number five, why medical missionary work? It opens up many closed doors. For those of you who were here at the very beginning, you looked at a map with me of the progress of the gospel. In many areas of the world, it was red. Why is it red? Why has it not been reached? I mean, we're talking North Africa, we're talking the Middle East, we're talking Pakistan, over into India. Why is it not reached? Because it's really hard. I mean, it's really challenging. This is a Christian family uh, pictured here whose house was completely destroyed because of their faith. Because those around them just did not like their religion. Many of the places that were highlighted there have a predominantly Islamic influence. Muslim and Christian tension around the world is growing like never before. It is escalating so much. And one of the best ways to break through that kind of prejudice is medical missionary work. I wish I had more time to show you the pictures of our teams around the world sitting in the same room, Seventh-day Adventists, ministering using the health message with Muslims, with Hindus, with whatever religion you can think of. Health is really the way to break that prejudice down. 
And Ellen White says, the right hand is used to open doors through which the body may find entrance. This is Medical Ministry, page 238. This is the part the medical missionary work is to act. It is to largely prepare the way for the reception of the truth for this time. So those wonderful books, the great controversy, those themes of prophecy that people need to understand, the way to open their mind for this is through medical missionary work or through health ministry. And we're going to be sharing with you as we continue practical ways that you can implement this in your own life and in your own church. So I want to finish with this quotation and then my wife is going to come and share for a few minutes to uh, finish this first seminar. This is what God's plan is. See if you are involved in God's plan. Let little companies, this is from Testimonies, Volume 9, page 171 and 72. Let little companies go forth to do the work to which Christ appointed his disciples. Let them labor as evangelists. Notice what kind of evangelists? Scattering our publications. What kind of, what kind of evangelist is that? That's a, that's a canvasser. That's a call porter of which many of you had the opportunity of doing. Praise God. But notice what else it says. Talking of the truth to those they meet. Let them pray for the sick, ministering to their necessities, not with drugs, but guess how? If it's not with drugs, how do you minister to someone? Exactly. But with nature's remedies and teaching them how to regain health and avoid disease. Are you involved in a little small company on a regular basis? making efforts to go out and reach your community. This is God's ordained method of evangelism, and it will work. I've seen it work all over the world, and I encourage you each to take a part in that. At this time, my wife is going to come, and she is going to share one of the most interesting and fascinating talks with you. Good afternoon. I think I'll have to hold this. Was that interesting to you? Amen. Informative, hopefully. I, I am one of the people who doesn't en enjoy watching the surgery. It's just too disgusting for me. <laughs> but I want to share with you, uh, in the world, especially maybe in the Adventist church, the health message, if you mention health reform, will bring about a mixture of emotions. And usually they're quite strong, either positive or negative. And in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, um, many people view the health message as maybe a curse or a chain, something to restrict us, something to keep us from having a good time and enjoying our life. So I want to share with you God's gift of health. Is it really a gift? Or is it just a chain to bind us and to keep us from enjoying things that we, enjoy, that we like? Before I go into that, I want to share with you this quote. It says, every member, few can take a course of training in our medical institutions. How many of you have taken a course in our medical institutions? Only a few. Only a few. And I'm not one of them. All, but, what does it say? How many? 
all can study our health literature and become intelligent on this important subject. That's one of the important things and the blessings of literature evangelism. You can sell someone a health book and they can study that book and then through study of that book they can become a medical missionary and share with someone else. And it says in nine testimonies, let little companies go forth to do the work to which Christ appointed his disciples. Let them labor as evangelists. Rodney said this one already. Scattering our publications, talking of the truth. Let them pray for the sick, ministering to their necessities with nature's remedies and teaching, teaching them. So what we do primarily is we teach, we educate. Many people don't know. And I'm going to show you pictures from different places. We've done trainings. This is in Italy. This is a training that we did in Puerto Rico. Just making sure I'm saying this right. And when I say we, we have a team of workers who, does, who do these trainings. This is in Indonesia. This is in the Philippines. This is in Japan. And then we did a health expo in Japan. Japan is highly secular. And people are very busy, but in the busyness of their life, over 100 people took time to go to a health expo and to take an hour of their time to learn about health. The church was quite amazed at the uh, success of the health expo. This is another training that they did in uh, London. This is one in Austria. This is in Africa, Kenya. And also doing a gospel campaign. He's sharing here the importance of drinking water and showing what goes into soda pop so that people are intelligent about what they're drinking. So the gift of health. Is health really a gift? When did the health message come to the Seventh-day Adventist Church? 1863. Do you know what health care was like in 1863? I want to tell you a story of George Washington, the first president of the United States. December 13, 1799, he got sick. He was out all day working hard. He got cold. He got, uh, his clothes were wet. He came inside, ate supper, didn't change his clothes. He got a cold and a sore throat. Is that fatal? It should not be fatal. It should not be fatal. But we will find out what happened to him. The doctors came. This is the president. He should have the best of health care, correct? So the doctors came, and the very first thing that they did in those days is if you were sick, then the problem was they thought that you had too much blood. So they would bleed you. They would take out your blood. So they took all, almost two um, cups of blood from President Washington. Then the doctors will come after that. If taking out your blood doesn't help you, then the doctor will come. See what's really wrong. You must have a serious condition. So the next day the physician comes. He says this is serious. Two more physicians came. And while they were waiting for those physicians, they took out more blood. How much blood do we have in our body? Yeah, about five liters, five quarts. 
not a lot of blood. So they've already taken out almost a pint of blood. Then they take out two more pints of blood. And amazingly enough, there was no relief from the disease. It just wasn't working. So what do they do? Then they try to give him some medicine. Now the medicine in those days was mostly mercury, um, which is poisonous, uh, strychnine. They prescribed alcohol, smoking, and a few other things. Besides bleeding, bleeding was always essential. So, the next day, poor President Washington dies. And um, the newspaper comes out and it says, it is with inexpressible grief that I have to announce to you the death of the great and good General Washington. He died last evening between 10 and 11 o'clock after a short illness of about 24 hours. They had pretty potent medicine, didn't they? It killed him within 24 hours. His disorder was an inflammatory sore throat, which proceeded from a cold of which he made but little complaint on Friday. On Sabbath morning, he, about three o'clock, he became ill, called for the doctor. The best doctors in town came. Every medical assistance was offered, but without the desired effect. So, and I believe he even said, after a while, he said, just leave me alone and let me die in peace. Stop taking my blood, stop giving me all this stuff. Now this is a, I'm gonna share with you some of the things they were teaching in 1835, just 30 years before the health message came from the Family Medicine Chest Dispensatory. This is adapted for the physician and the layman. In this book, they taught that if you have lung problems, you need to smoke a cigar every day, maybe two or three. This is from Dr. Chapman. This is what they said for children. Let the little patient be bled very freely at the commencement of the case. And children have even less blood than adults. Then give to the child of three years old or upwards a teaspoonful of antimonial wine made by dissolving a scruple of emetic tartar in a pint of sherry wine and repeat it if necessary in half an hour. This was supposed to cause them to vomit. So if the second dose does not cause vomiting, double its quantity, unless the case be very mild. The vomiting should be encouraged by warm drinks and the nausea should be continued for hours, a few hours. So would you agree with me this is a time of great ignorance? Not only was health care very poor, but the hygiene of the cities was awful. The sewage was just left in the streets. People did not have good trash um, places to put their trash, so they just dumped them in the roads. If you've ever been to India, it's similar to India, back here in the United States. Now, how do you think our Adventist pioneers were doing? Did, were they healthy and strong at this time? Joseph Bates. Right. Joseph Bates, we'll talk about him. Here's some stories of our Adventist pioneers. John Loughborough. John Loughborough, when he was 18 years old, 
He was on the verge of death. How many of you here are 18? A few of you. Can you imagine being on the verge of death at 18 because of your, your poor health? Let's see why that might be. He says, I was a great lover of animal flesh as food. I wanted fat pork fried for breakfast, boiled meat for dinner, cold slices of ham or beef for supper. One of my sweetest morsels was bread well soaked in pork gravy. So, good Adventist pioneer. Jay and Andrews at the age of 34. This is right when the health message came. He had congested brain, nervous dyspepsia, which is stomach problems. I don't know why in the world he would have stomach problems. Qatar, which is a coughing and chronic fatigue, always tired at the age of 34. How many of you are 34? A few of you. This is the prime of people's lives, 18, 34, when you should be the strongest you've ever been. And he was very intelligent, but he had awful health. And God saw that his church was dying very young, and so he, in mercy, gave us a message. Here's what he ate. I supposed old cheese was good to aid digestion. Hot biscuit and butter, donuts, pork in every form, pickles, preserves, tea, coffee, all of common use. Ellen White, she thought that for years that she was dependent upon meat for strength. Can you imagine how she felt when God told her this message directly? So, was the health message in 1863 a gift? Yes. Was it a gift? Was it to give people a longer life, more strength, more health? She says, in the light given me so long ago, I was shown that intemperance would prevail in the world to an alarming extent, and that every one of the people of God must take an elevated stand in regard to ref reformation in habits and practices. She wrote this in 1901. Do you think that the world today is more temperate than it was back then? No, not at all. Not at all. So she says, the Lord presented a general plan before me. I was shown that God would give to his commandment-keeping people a reformed diet, and that as they received this, their disease and suffering would be greatly lessened. I was shown that this work would progress. And we're seeing that happen in the world today. Now, what about the world? What about people outside of the Seventh-day Adventist Church? One of the presentations today is going to be Ellen White, on the outside of the church. And I want to share with you what someone said. This is, does anyone know who this is, actually? This is Dr. Clive McKay. He was a nutritionist at Cornell University. Have you ever heard of the China study? He mentored the author of the China study, this man here. And he read some of the books of Ellen White, including Councils on Diet and Foods. So he said, to sum up the discussion, every modern specialist whose life is dedicated to human welfare must be impressed by the writings and leadership of Alan G. White. This man is not a Seventh-day Adventist. In spite of the fact that the works of Mrs. White were written long before the advent of modern scientific nutrition, only in the 1950s did they start, it was actually after the 1950s that they started saying that smoking was bad for you. So almost a hundred years after she said it was bad, science finally caught up. 
So he said, no better overall guide is available today. This is based on him reading the book, Councils on Diet and Foods. So again, I just want to share with you and you see for yourself, this is a gift from God. The health message is a gift. And I want to encourage you as you learn and as you practice and as you share, to share with that attitude that it's a gift of health, not something to beat someone over the head with, not something to keep yourself in a straitjacket, but it's a gift from God to give us life, give us health, and give us joy on this earth. Now, someone mentioned Joseph Bates. One of the Adventist pioneers had the health message even before it came to the general church, and that was Joseph Bates. He became a vegetarian at an early age. He stopped eating tea and eating, drinking tea and coffee. He stopped eating pork, and he, he followed a very um, simple lifestyle. And he had good health. While all the other people in the Adventist uh, pioneer movement were dying, he was having good health. And he said, this was his vow, and I want to encourage you to, if, the, if you, as you have read this, if you mean this, if you would like to make this commitment with me today, then I would like you to read this with me. It says, This day do I with the utmost solemnity surrender myself to thee. I renounce all former lords that have had dominion over me, and I consecrate to thee all that I am and all that I have. Amen. Amen. Let me have a word of prayer, and then we do have a little bit of time for questions before you have a break for the next session. If you can bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your goodness and your love. I want to thank you for the gift of health. Lord, may we understand personally that wonderful gift, and may it shine from our lives so that others will be attracted to you because of it. Lord, I ask that you'll be with each one here. You brought them here for a purpose. You brought them to this seminar for a reason. So please bless each one and guide us in the rest of our activities for the day. And may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you have any questions? Can you say that again? I'm sorry. Okay, the question the question for the recording. Thank you. The question is that is it true that at the same time that the Seventh day Adventist Church was receiving the health message, was God giving it to other people in other parts of the world? And the answer is true. Yes. At the same time that the message of the second advent and Jesus' second coming was going around the world, or sorry, in America with William Miller, it was going around the world with other people, and the health message was also going around the world in different groups of people. Good question. Is there other questions? I'll just tell you, in, in these seminars, especially the last seminar that we have today, they're all different. The last seminar we're going to be focusing on practical things, how to make a charcoal poultice, how to do massage. So I want to encourage you to come to all of them. 
And if you don't come, you can always listen to them on Audioverse. But you can't make charcoal poultices on Audioverse. Are there any other questions? Yes? The question is, are all of the seminars being taped? And I believe that is true. Yeah, that's why I have this little thing in my hands. You can go on the website, www.audioverse.org, and go to iShare2012, and then all of the four seminars will be there. I actually would love to be able to attend all of them myself, but I can't do that. So, I also want to just share with you, we work with a ministry called Light. There's a lot of light-based ministries. There's Light Bears. There's all kinds of ministries. This one is called Light, Lay Institute for Global Health Training. And if you want to know more about what we do, if you are interested in becoming trained more in medical missionary work, we have a website. You can go to lightingtheworld.org. That's lightingtheworld.org. We have online medical missionary training courses, both one month and six months. And we have on-campus training courses all around the world, as well as opportunities to go and be a missionary and teach and do this. Are there any other questions? Everything is clear. Good. Okay. Well, you have about nine minutes until the next sessions will start. So we invite you to come back again for part number two. And thank you for coming. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.